Today we're going to talk about who's the boss. And I'm not talking about the TV show that you might catch late night on uh, cable or, or satellite. I'm not talking about your significant other. We're going to talk about work today. We're going to talk about our jobs. And our text, if you want to be heading that way, is going to be found in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be right at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 22. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. Now, it's no surprise that for a lot of people that are working age, work is a huge part of their lives. And as I studied for this sermon, um, I came across some very disheartening statistics. As, as I uh, did research and things, I found that, that, uh, that the average American worker will spend approximately... 90,000 hours at work over the course of their lifetime. 90,000 hours of work. Then when you add in commute time, you're getting up there around 100,000 hours of our lives spent either to and from work or the majority of the time actually being at our jobs. That, that, does, does that, is that kind of depressing to anybody else? 100,000 hours of your life devoted to work? And then whenever I, I considered that, and I was kind of disheartened by that, but then Whenever I saw the next statistic, it made me even uh, more disheartened, and that is that Americans, 80% of Americans report they're dissatisfied in their jobs. Just think about that. 80% of Americans say they're dissatisfied in their jobs, and they're spending 100,000 hours of their lives in dissatisfaction. That's a lot of dissatisfied hours of our life. And, and, uh, and, and it's no wonder that we have such glowing terms for work like, Put your nose to what? To the grindstone. Oh, I've got to go to the... It's part of the daily grind. Work is a necessary evil. Things like that. It's, and, and you know what? Work doesn't have to be like that. And I know the types of people that you work with, your coworkers and your boss, that can make a, that's going to make a big impact on your job satisfaction. I understand that. I've worked in some difficult situations where, you know, uh, my coworkers and my boss, they put the rat in rat race. I mean, I've, I've worked with some scoundrels. And I understand that, that people are going to affect our job satisfaction. Now listen, the situation may be the same, but we can be different. We, we can see things differently, and our perspective makes a huge difference in, in the way that we approach our job. Now, the way, uh, what Paul's going to say in our text today, the first part of Colossians, he talks about, he, he gives kind of the doctrinal stuff, the things that we should believe, but then he starts to apply that to daily life. And in chapter 3, he talks about how our faith should affect our relationships by between husbands and wives and children and parents. And then he gets on to employers and employees. And you'll notice if, if you have it open and, and here in just a second when it's up on the screen, you'll notice that he uses the words slave and master. And sometimes we, we feel like slave and master in our job relationships, don't we? Uh, of course, we don't have legalized uh, slavery in our country. But they did back then, and so Paul was writing to people in situations in which they found themselves. And the word that he uses that's translated as slave oftentimes means a slave like we think of, but it doesn't always. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it has the idea of somebody who has hired themselves out to work for somebody. But either way, these principles that Paul lays down apply to the Christian in the workplace today. So if you found Colossians chapter 3, please stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 22. Paul says, Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, 
but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Then go on to chapter 4. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Paul gives us two main instructions here. and Now, he, he fleshes out what that's going to look like. He talks about do it this way and don't do it that way. But he gives us two main instructions. The first is obey your boss. Obey your boss. Now, that's not a very popular topic to preach on, is it? Not, not, very, not very encouraging thought. Obey your boss. None of us likes to be told what to do. And what's interesting, if you'll notice that word obey, if you'll look just a few verses above that, he talks to children, and he says, children, obey your parents. It's the same word translated as obey. He uses the same word for employees as he does for children. He says, obey your boss, obey your masters. So the question is, who is it that you're working for? Who is your boss? Now, some people's boss is Benjamin. For them, it's all about the Benjamins. They, they just want money. The, they, some people have made money to be their God. Nothing's too good for our God, so they will sacrifice whatever they need to to get a little more money. They'll sacrifice their relationships with their, uh, their spouse or their kids. They'll, they'll, they'll give everything just to have a few more dollars in the bank account. So some people's uh, God is, is named Benjamin, and I'm not saying you shouldn't expect an honest day's wages for an honest day's work. Jesus himself said a labor is worthy of his wages. But there's a difference between expecting to be paid for the work that you're doing and, and being all about money, 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 money. Somebody else might have a, 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 a boss named Bill. If they didn't have to pay the bills, they wouldn't work. You know anybody like that? If they didn't have to have lights on in the house, if they didn't have heat and air, if they didn't have to put food on the table, they wouldn't do anything. But the bill collector is their boss. They see work as a necessary evil. They say, well, work is, work is like a four-letter word with me, and, and, and it must be a curse from God. But if you'll notice in the, in the uh, book of Genesis, God instituted work before the fall. God instituted work before sin. He told Adam, take care of the garden. And so some people, their boss is the bill collector. Other people's boss is just the boss man. And what I mean by that is when the boss is there and he's looking, boy, they're, they're working hard, but when the boss leaves or when the boss turns away, they slough off. You ever worked with anybody like that? I used to work with a, a lady, and she's not, the, she's not the laziest person I've ever known because she had a job. And a lot of, there are a lot of people who, who can work and they choose not to. But I mean, this lady was, the, I think, the laziest person I've ever worked with in my life. And what, what she would do is the job that we had, there would be two or three of us that would have to be there, and it would be in the evening. And the managers, the bosses, would leave in the afternoon. And so in the evening, we had certain things that we had to get done. Part of those things had to be done early in the evening. Well, during that time, she would sit at the table, and she wouldn't do anything. 
she wouldn't get off her duff to do anything at all. And so the rest of us were having to pick up our weight and hers too. And so I, I'm usually pretty good. I can outweigh a lot of things and a lot of people. But I couldn't outweigh this lady because she went to she, she got off work later than I did. So there were certain things that had to be done early in the evening, certain things had to be done later in the evening. And if I thought, you know what, I've done this early in the evening, I've done my part and yours, you can do my part later, guess what? She wouldn't do my part. She would barely do her part, so then the next day when the boss came in, who's the one that looks like they didn't do their job? Me. She was one of those people, when, when the boss was there and looking, well, she's working. But as soon as the boss would leave, I mean, it's like, it's like a magnet. I just pulled her right into the chair. And, and so some people are, are the boss is their boss, and, and they just shift into neutral if the boss isn't there. Other people, their hobbies or their leisure time, and we have that song from what well, was back in the 80s, working for the weekend. Some, t- some people, the only reason they get up and go to work in the morning is because they have to fund their activities they enjoy somehow, and that's their boss. But our real boss, if you're a Christian, our, our real boss is Jesus. Now look at, look at what he says. He says, be obedient, obey your boss, in the flesh. Now he's talking about our supervisors. He's talking about those people that are over us in the food chain. And when he says that word obey, as I said before, he uses the same word that he uses of children to parents. It means to bring yourself under somebody else's control or direction. Simply put, it means you, te- you do what you're told to do. Now how many of us, honestly, we, we resist that a little bit, don't we? Because I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. You can't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I've been doing this job longer than you have been. We kind of we kind of stiffen our necks a little bit. We kind of resist that. Even if what they're telling us to do, we know needs to be done. We just don't like to be told what to do. Now, that's not to say that, that we can't make a suggestion or feedback because sometimes we think of things that the boss doesn't think of, especially if we're the ones that has to do it all the time. You can give that feedback. You can share those ideas. And he's not saying only obey whenever you agree with the decision that's made or if you have a good boss because 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. So do what you're told to do. But notice he says in all things, and the implication there is in all things that are lawful. If your boss tells you to do something that violates God's law, of course don't do that. So the first thing Paul says to do is obey your boss. The second command that he gives is work heartily. Work heartily. Look again at verse 23. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, you do your work heartily. Now sometimes we in the Christian church, we have made this false uh, distinction between people who, quote-unquote, do the work of God or do work for the Lord, the pastors, the missionaries, things like that, and everybody else, the clergy and the laity. And sometimes we think, well, I can't, do, I can't do God's work. I can't do God's work because I'm not called to vocational ministry. But notice that he says, look at, look at that verse again, verse 23, whatever you do. Do it for the Lord. 
Now, back then, slaves had a variety of tasks, and basically the master would say to the slave, do these things that I don't want to do. Go shopping, do these errands, go out and split wood, uh, prepare meals, clean, sometimes take care of the kids. And Paul says, these jobs that you think don't have any dignity at all because they're low down, nobody wants to do them, Paul says they have a dignity because who is it that you're really working for? The Lord Jesus Christ. So there's dignity in in your job, no matter what your job is, if you do it for God. So he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men. Now, if you look at verse 22, uh, we we start getting some of these qualifications. The first thing he says is don't do it with eye service. Don't do it with eye service. Now, eye service is a word that Paul made up. And I found this comic a, a number of years ago. I saw it, and it stuck with me all this time. You can go ahead and put that up on the screen. This is a picture of eye service. The boss says, why aren't you working? And the guy at the desk says, I didn't see you coming. That is eye service in one, in one cell. Eye service is like that lady that I worked with. When the boss is looking, they're working. When the boss isn't looking... They're not working. They're, they're lazy. And isn't that human nature? I've worked in, in the classroom for a number of years, and I, even though I didn't get out, I was kind of in my own little cave, I could tell a difference in the atmosphere in the building when the principal was not in the office or when the administration was out. People were just freer. They are more relaxed. Sometimes the superintendent would come in, and it was... All hands on deck at that point. And I remember, you know, you, you pray. Lord, please don't, let, please don't let the super come in my room. Please don't let him do that, Lord. And you just pray until you, you, you find out he's left the building. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He didn't come in my room. When you're driving down the road and, and you see a cop, what do you do? Now, you may have your crew set on the dot at the speed limit. And you, you know that it is... You, you are obeying the law. What do you do? You see the cop, you check your speed limit, hands go to 10 and 2, you may even turn the radio down a little bit. Right? You sit up, you have good posture, the kids are talking to you, you, you don't even look back and talk to them because you, you don't want the cop to even notice you. When the boss is there, or when, when, when the person in authority is, uh, is around, we tend to be that person as, the way, the way Paul phrases it, is the person that pleases men. We want to butter them up. We want to make a good impression. Paul says don't do that. Instead, do it with sincerity of heart. Don't be hypocritical about it. Seek the good and the welfare of your employer. Now, we've all had those jobs probably where it didn't matter to us if the company that we worked for sold X amount of widgets or a few less widgets because our our paycheck didn't, didn't change. Right? Or, or if we took care of this number of students or this number of patients or whatever it is, because our paycheck is the same whether the company is successful or not successful. And so sometimes we get into that idea of why should I be looking out for them? Well, think about it. If they're not in business anymore, you're out of a job. But also, listen to what God said to uh, the Israelites back in Jeremiah 29. Now, what happened is God let the Babylonians take Israel ca- into captivity. 
And so the Israelites, you can imagine, they'd be like, well, if I'm in captivity, I'm just going to, I'm just kind of coast along. I'm, I don't, I mean, they're my enemy. They've taken me over. I'm not going to seek their welfare. I'm not going to take part in, in the government. I'm not going to do anything. No civic life. Here's what Jeremiah 29 says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for, for, your, sons and your, daughter, for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. And I think the same thing can be applied to our jobs. Uh, we need to seek its good, because when it prospers, at least in a sense, we prosper as well. Also notice in verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, work heartily. Now, whenever, whenever my translation renders it, whatever you do, do heartily. Those two words do look the same in English, but in Greek they're two different words. The first one means to do or to make, and the second one means to labor. And what he says is, whatever you're employed in, work at it. Give it your best. Back when I was a kid, my dad, he loved to work. He hated his job. And I don't think I've ever heard him say anything good about his job. Works in a factory, has my whole life, but he enjoys work. And my dad can outwork the vast majority of people, I'm, I'm convinced. And when I was a kid, growing up on the farm, I had to keep up with dad. And I remember, I don't, I don't remember what we were doing. We were out at the house. We were doing something with hay, I think. And, man, it was in the summer, and it was hot. And I was, I was worn out and sweating and, whew. And I remember my dad turned to me and saying something to the effect of, now, doesn't it feel good? To work, and I thought, "You're crazy! It doesn't feel good to work. It feels awful. I'm I'm tired. My body hurts. I'm sweating. What are you talking about feeling good to work?" And I, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and I tried to, I tried to act like I knew what he's talking about, but I didn't, really didn't. But as I grew up and I matured, I realized what Dad was talking about. There's there's a satisfaction that comes with doing a good day's work. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, whatever you do, what, whatever profession you have, work at it. Do your best at it. And you'll notice in verse 24, he says, ask to the Lord. It's the Lord whom you serve. And that's how we can, sometimes we have a boss that doesn't deserve respect. That's how we can work for that person that doesn't deserve respect. And, and everything against us says, I don't want to work for them. I don't want to do what they say. But realize then, working for them, you're really working for Jesus. And the last thing that he says in verse 24 is we need to work with retirement in mind. Work with retirement in mind. Now I say retirement, and you should have seen the number of smiles that I got across the room. Some of you are already enjoying retirement, and are like, ha, 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 ha. And some of us are like, oh, retirement. I'm looking forward to retirement. And I know I'm, yeah, I get an amen from my wife. And I know that I'm too young to look forward to that day when I can retire. But this is actually a reason that Paul says to work hard, but not the way that we think. Because our way of thinking is, 
I want to work hard to store up so that one of these days I can not have to work. But that's not the focus that Paul has. Look at what he says in verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. What he's talking about is going to heaven. And Paul says that there's a day of recompense coming and it's not a day of wages. Notice, what, notice the word that he uses. It's an inheritance. An inheritance is not something you work for. If, if Richard Archibald dies and he leaves you his whole estate, well, guess what? You didn't work for that and earn it. It's a gift. And that's what Paul's saying. When we are faithful, God's going to give us the gift of heaven. And so there's a day of recompense coming, both of the good, and down here we may not have a lot, but up there we'll have heaven. But also, if you'll notice verse 25, there's also a day of recompense coming for those who do evil. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, which he has done, and that without partiality. And so I think there's a word in here for both the boss and the worker. If you're a boss, you, you need to remember that. Don't mistreat your employees. But also, I think there's a word in here for the Christian. Because being a Christian does not excuse you for, for doing shoddy work. In fact, sometimes what, what people do is they say, I'm a Christian, and then they do things and say things at work or, or, or just do a poor job at work, and it brings shame to the gospel. So there's a word in here, most of it's to the worker. There's a reference in here to those who are in a, a position of authority. But also look at chapter 4 and verse 1 that we read. He, he just has one verse in here for the boss. Here's what it is. He says, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're the boss, you need to treat your employees well. Treat them with fairness. Because one of these days you're going to give an answer to God for it. Folks, work is good. It's something that God gave to mankind. In fact, it's so important. Paul said, if a person won't work, he shouldn't eat. And I didn't say if a person can't work, because if a person can't work, it, it, the, the, the body of Christ has the, the joy and the privilege of helping that person. But he's talking about the person who is perfectly capable of working, and they choose not to. If they refuse to work, Paul says they shouldn't even eat. And you know what? I, I suspect that if that rule were instituted... There would be a lot of people who all of a sudden could, could get out there and, and, and make a living somehow. Work is good. But because of sin, there's futility, there's vanity in it. And that's why sometimes you, you work and you labor, and at the end of the day you're just like, this is so pointless. Why am I even doing this? I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm just a cog in the machine. There's vanity in it. And that makes it tough, but we need to change our mindset. Who is it that we're working for? Because if you're working for somebody besides Jesus, you're working for the wrong person. And I understand. I get into that place, too, where I say, well, this is my human boss. These are the bills I have to pay. This is what I'm working for, but this is, this is not it. For the Christian, Jesus is the one that we're working for. So maybe you need to ask God to adjust your attitude. Maybe, maybe when we start getting negative, we need to remember this text. And work heartily as for the Lord. 
When we started getting negative, remember that in working for our boss, we're really working for God. Maybe we just need to decide, I'm going to work harder at my job. Because I've been sloughing off. That's, that's kind of down where we live, isn't it? That's one of those things I love about the Bible is, is our faith is not something that just stays in the church. It should affect every, every part of our lives. It, it affects our church life, but it affects our work life too. And maybe you don't have that relationship with God that, that influences your whole life. The Bible says, if you've heard his word, don't harden your heart. But respond to him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted day. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I invite you to do that. 